recording a show, I think. Yes, we are. Is this the part where we say, is this mic live? Um, yes, the mics are on. <laughs> I put this somewhere. All right. But, so, this is Slip Angle Show, episode who cares. Don't know when we're going to release it. And we're uh, we're driving to Atlanta. Is that thing still bouncing back and forth? Yep, this thing right. uh, appears to be bouncing back and forth right. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you know what we can do? We can slide the hold button right here. There we go. Now we can't hit buttons and make anything do anything it's not supposed to. All right. Awesome. Hey, I got a new recorder. I'm learning how to use it. This is uh, Adam Jabay, and I'm in the truck right now uh, with Christian Ship. He's been on the show before. Um, he was on the Expo Idiots show from ITR Expo. So well, what are our bouncies, bouncies getting there, like you 12? Know, yeah, our bouncies are... Right um, in the middle? I'd say moving between 12, and I'm sometimes up to 6, but I'll move my mic out a little bit. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, have, right. I don't have earbuds because they're in my backpack, so I can't monitor the, the peaking. But as long as it's not hitting zero constantly, we're fine. No, I think we are well below zero, and, right. and we're in good shape. Right, just keep an eye on that bottom little red thing. Make sure it stays recording. Okay. I think i got plenty of space on this disc. i got a big disc in the uh, camera, but... Um, it's got an SD card in it. But, yeah, Christian and I are driving to Atlanta. Actually, we're going to drive to Cincinnati area right now um, and stay with a buddy for a couple hours and then continue on to Atlanta. So um, I'm going to go racing, and he's going to go home. <laughs> so, <laughs> Christian's this is from, a true statement. Yeah, Christian's from Florida. What are you doing in my truck, dude? So, yeah, the, uh, the story starts, as it always does, with ADD. Car um, ADD. Yeah, the last time uh, the last time we saw each other was as as you referenced at the the bunch of idiots at yeah. uh, ITR Expo. Yeah, that and was a good night. I was there, I think, extolling the virtues of uh, the highly depreciated Corvette Z06. That was the drunkest I've ever been at the beginning of that podcast, and it was so long. Or drunkest I've ever been on the show, but it was that was the show that my na- my next door neighbor listened to, um, and she said to my wife. I think Adam was drunk on that show, <laughs> but uh, and by the episode was, that show was so long that I was stone sober <laughs> by the time it was done. That that was the episode that did not end. Yeah, it. Uh, I think it was right around three hours. But yes. I need to get off of this little ridge here that I'm on. Uh, yeah, we got a nice heavy uh, trailer. We got two cars on the trailer behind us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so what are you doing so up here? I, um, in Florida? After after ITR Expo. Um, I started scratching my head and thinking about getting something different. Um, as you, much, have, you had a Z06. Yes, had a 2004, a uh, Corvette Z06 uh, C5 chassis. Yeah, the first C5 I've, I've ever ridden in on track, actually. Yeah, dude, and, and they don't suck. I no, mean, they're not at all. Tremendous cars. Yeah. Uh, I think you referred to my Cavalier interior. Yes. The Cavalier dash. Yep. That is the, uh, the the true value proposition behind the, the Z06. <laughs> it makes yep. it an affordable every man's car. Yeah. What, what did uh, uh, what did uh, what's his face Dave uh, O'Malley call it? Um, oh yeah, it says yeah. Basically, uh, what was it? A forty thousand dollar drivetrain in a uh, sixty thousand dollar car, I think. Yeah, or fifty thousand dollar car. Yeah, dude, and, it's way and, more drivetrain than anything else. And so. a tremendous chassis, it yeah. really is. Um, but. What piqued my interest was uh, some, some I guess I'll call them friends, but some friends of mine telling me how cheap 996 turbos had gotten. Yeah. So yep. for uh, the car fans out there that don't speak Porsche, that's the, the unloved fried egg headlight 
uh, I guess 2001 to 2005. Yeah, I wondered what they, uh, they weren't in the 90s at all? Uh, not the turbos. Oh, so, the turbos, yeah. yeah. 996, so that, I think, started in like 97, right? Uh, 99, maybe? Okay. I don't know. It was late 90s. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the problem with them is that none of none of the Porsche guys liked them. Yeah. Because it was water-cooled. It was a departure from all things Porsche. Yeah, that was the first water-cooled Porsche. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was, uh, I think, actually... I want to say that uh, either folks from Toyota or they had consultants in basically trying to trying to help them bring uh, their factories forward and modernize them. But uh, the point being that none of the Porsche people love them. They're yeah. still unloved. Yeah. Good thing, though, for uh, for enthusiasts is that it means that there's a hell of a bargain out there. Um, I was looking at 996s in the $30,000 range. And this is the all-wheel drive turbo, right? Yes. All-wheel drive turbo, 415 horsepower. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and like, just a tune people are putting near 500. Yeah. You know, or over 500. Yeah, it's, it was... The cars, as I looked around, it was not uncommon to see uh, cars putting down wheel horsepower in the 450 to 500 horsepower range. Yeah, just with, uh, like, exhaust and a tune kind of thing. Exactly. Um, but tremendous value. So I had talked uh, my lovely wife into agreeing to roughly a $30,000 996 Turbo. After you sold your Corvette. Yes. Well, and, and I, I worked it out with her beforehand, but uh, listed my Corvette. Uh, it moved fairly quickly to uh, an autocrosser actually up here in Chicago. That's so uh, weird. Oh, uh, dude. I, when I, when Did I he realized, fly down to pick it up? He flew down to pick it up. Had a good drive back, I assume? Yeah, he said, he, you know, it's a highway cruiser. He got up on the highway, cruised home. Was that off of the forum that shall not be named? That is off of the forum that shall okay. not be named. Okay. Uh, gentleman there. Doesn't post very much. Bit okay. of, a, I think, a lurker. But uh, local autocrosser. And um, he flew down, picked it up, drove home. Cool. But uh, so when I went out there and, and really dug into the 996 turbos and started getting serious about them had some people look at some uh got in touch with sellers started to peel the onion a little bit the bad news is is that all of those thirty thousand dollar cars probably needed between three to five thousand dollars worth of work and they were all like hundred plus thousand miles and yeah solid 90 to 105 thousand mile 14 15 year old well the thing about the 996 stuff is the the regular naturally aspirated cars are the ones that had the what is it the IMS failure the uh, uh, yeah they yeah they they have the like early 996s had a whole host of problems the later ones had fewer problems yeah sporadic uh, oiling problems and motors would just explode and burn up and yeah and and it's one of those things where the the odds of it happening are still relatively yeah, low but the GT3 and the turbo cars are i think they're called the Metzger motors or something and those don't have those failures uh, so. exactly yeah the uh, the block that's used on the GT3 and the the 911 turbo uh, if I recall my history correctly, it was based off of an earlier race motor uh, from Porsche. So yeah. very robust, very strong, low chance of failure. Uh, they still have you know other issues with them, um, just your regular stuff. Things, yeah. uh, water pumps, the rear wings on them are particularly problematic and are several thousand dollars to fix. The wing? Yeah. What does the wing do? Uh, well, the wing doesn't wing. Well, Every, everybody loves a big wing. No, it was... <laughs> 
it doesn't seem like a fail point. <laughs> I mean, what so, uh, is that like electronic wing that yeah, goes up and down? Yeah, it does I mean, things? it's yeah. Leave it to the Germans, right? Yeah. If a if a fixed wing would have worked, they made one that's active. Yeah. I didn't uh, know that thing had active arrow. Yeah. Is it just speed based or what? It is. Uh, my understanding is speed based. Uh, okay. When it goes over a specific set mile per hour, the wing is supposed to deploy. Yeah. Its method of deploying is via hydraulic rams. Ooh, rams. Yeah. So the problem with it is, is that after, in this case, 10 to 15 years, and who knows how many cycles, yeah. the rams either break or they start to leak, and then your wing no longer goes up and down and you okay. get a light on the dash. Yeah, that happens to all kinds of old things. It just doesn't go up and down anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should have given it one of those old blue pills yeah. and it would have fixed it. Yeah. Uh, but the cost to fix these things... I want to say two to three thousand. Oh my gosh! Yes. So it's one CRX race car. <laughs> yes, it's okay. it's a it's an ITA CRX to yep. fix the rear wing. A yeah. nice one. Uh, yeah. Oh, or uh, two ITC cars. <laughs> yeah. So, from 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 here on out in the podcast, we're going to talk about Christian's car purchases in forms of ITC race cars. <laughs> I, you know, I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Um, so, so you just bought like a, a twelve ITC race car uh, Subaru. Yeah, I think that's Chicago. about it. Well, and. Sure. So how the Subaru came into it, because let's face it. A, a yeah, we're su- jumping ahead here. This is it's a bit of a stretch. It's quite a so, story. Yeah, you didn't buy a Porsche. No, I, I did not buy a 996 Turbo. And I was super pumped that you might buy one because I was like, dude, I'll fly out and we'll, and we'll drive it somewhere because I want to make a story about driving a crappy old Porsche across the country. Well, and I really want to ride in one of those. Well, and, and hope is not lost. Yeah. Because uh, you know, when I hashed it all out with, uh, with my wife, and we talked about dollars and cents and not wanting to overspend for something that's going to kind of sit in the garage and get used for autocross and track days yeah yeah her response was well you know let's wait and see and maybe you know maybe next year depending on where prices are and you know maybe maybe you'll be able to get one then so it's uh temporarily off the table but not permanently okay um but you so, need something to autocross all winter because you live in Florida, which is a better place to live than Chicago. Uh, well, winter's tough in Florida. Yeah. It's, uh, we've got a event this Sunday that I'll be at. We've got another autocross event the week after that. Sounds rough. Uh, then I think that we're pretty devoid of autocrosses until January. Oh, <laughs> it's just, just in time to celebrate Christmas with your family, spend a week with them. And then get back into it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a solid. The off-season is weeks. Yeah. How far do you travel to most events? You know, I, I really try not to travel too far. Uh, yeah. About two hours, two yeah. and a half hours is about as far as as I'm willing to go um, uh, just for local stuff. Jump, jumping around a little bit more, how uh, how did you get into this hobby? Did you start doing autocross? Because you had it several years there where you uh, club raced a CRX and then you built... Uh, which was my it was my favorite road race build ever it was your four-door 91 civic ex uh sedan improved touring a car well um that was kind of the build that got improved touring and like club racing in general like kind of in my mind was following that build on honda tech so so um, yeah so you're kind of responsible for this thing that we're doing right now with me having a race car of my own you know, I suddenly feel like the butterfly over in the South Pacific that flaps its wings. Yeah, because we we didn't meet until long after I bought a race car. Um, yes, that's but, true. Uh, yeah. So, so before we jump back into kind of the, I guess the the origins of what got me into all of this, let me tie out the uh, the car purchase thing. Fine. <laughs> Can't jump around too much. Oh uh, yeah, I know. So the nine nine six turbo is show. off. Almost bought a Lotus Elise. Oh, yeah, came, yeah. Came yeah. very close to buying an Elise and realized that all it would take is one of the kids crashing a bike into it to, 
cost total, a ten thousand dollar clamshell. Literally total it. Yeah. yeah. So uh, not mechanically, just uh, cosmetically total. Uh, you know, and what's, and they are they're plastic and glue and carbon. It's kind of creepy. I, I will tell you the awesome thing though is I called around on insurance, and first off, my current insurance carrier wouldn't touch an Elise with a ten foot pole. Yeah, because Next, of that clamshell thing. Yep. Next place I called wouldn't touch it with a ten foot pole. The next place I called after that, the rate was actually cheaper than our Honda Odyssey. Holy cow. Yes. I enjoy being middle-aged and having a clean history yeah. and paying nothing for my insurance. You're around 40, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so so you're, yeah, you're right in the prime of cheap insurance. I, my Corvette was $302 every six months. It's, it's the best part of getting older is my insurance, like for cars, it's not getting more expensive at all. <laughs> my... Adam, my insurance now costs less per six months than it used to cost me per month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, had a ba- I was a bad boy. Yeah. You got a few tickets and uh, had a few accidents. Tickets, crashes, all yeah. that fun stuff. But um, so I decided to buy something that was practical. Because you've got three kids. You've got triplets got, who got are triplets. six-ish. Yep. And they, yeah. there's always a discussion and an argument about who's going to get to ride in daddy's car because with the Corvette, there was you know, draw, seat. straw, yeah. take turns. Uh, so I picked up a STU prepped uh, Subaru STI. It's 2005. Yeah. Uh, it's a car that's already been run at uh, Nationals. Pretty full prep. Uh, you know, double adjustable shocks, suspension. Not quite built out to the uh, the limit of the rules, but pretty well built. Okay. And um, yeah, it looks pretty nice. Got a couple little body dings, but a nice, nice car. Otherwise, single, totally fixable stuff. Yeah. Single owner car, 42,000 miles. Yeah. Uh, difficult to beat. But. Um, so we we're towing that down to Road Atlanta, and uh, I'll unload it at Road Atlanta, and then I will make the drive back home yep. down to Florida, where yeah. I've already got parts for the car that I just bought today. How far from Road Atlanta do you live? Uh, I believe it's about seven hours. Okay. Six and a half, seven hours. Okay. Well, I appreciate you uh, sharing some fuel cost and some... Uh, it's easier to do this drive uh, in the middle of the night, not by myself. So, tall Kyle flaked, because that's what he does. He says he says he's sick. I'm curious if he has a date on Saturday or not. But um, the uh, well, I, maybe the, maybe the thing is is that either he has a disease now or he's going to be acquiring one on Saturday. That's that's true. <laughs> um, but my reason for going is uh, when we we went down and toured Road Atlanta in like late August or something um, with the Grid Life staff and decided, yeah, we're going to do an event here. Uh, Chris and Austin and myself went down there. We, we recorded the, the show with Wooly from S3 that night. Um, but, uh, yeah, since we decided we're going to do a, an event at Road Atlanta, um, I decided that I need to know know what Road Atlanta is other than, other than how it looks, you know. Are we peeking or anything there? We're good? No, we're All good. Right. Um, so I'm going to go race there. This is going to be my first NASA race. I've, I've, I've had my NASA comp license for a while because of an equivalency with SCCA, you know. Uh, but I've never actually used it, so um, I'm going to go do my first NASA race and uh, turn a wheel on Road Atlanta in a for the first time in a race group, which should be exciting. <laughs> but uh, and the rest of the Grid Life crew, like a lot of them, Chris is flying down. He's riding back with me on Sunday, and then uh, yeah, Holly and Mikey are flying down as well. So. We've got, they're down there right now, I think, but we've got a bunch of people coming and we're going to have some meetings with the staff and uh, the track and do a lot of planning because we got a, uh, we got a potentially pretty big event coming up there. So 
uh, Adam, you you haven't been on Road Atlanta at all. Have you done any I've never recon been laps? Uh, no, I've never been on the track. I've only driven around the track, but not on the track. We've driven on all the surface roads and like looked at it from every angle. But uh, this past week, um, I've watched a lot of in-car and I've talked to some buddies. But I'm uh, I've, I haven't been nervous for for an event since probably 2000 and. 2011 maybe when I went to VIR 12 when I went to VIR the first time I think I was a little nervous for the first time I went to mid-Ohio but not not that nervous but like uh, butterflies and kind of like anxious energy that's what I'm having right now I'm, I'm a little bit nervous for the event I, I'm excited but it's uh, it's a big it's a big boy track man so it's absolutely a, a hell of a track it was if I remember correctly after I got my comp license uh, I think it was the third race weekend that I went to. Okay. Maybe in second race weekend. Um, which kind of dovetails into how did I get into all this stupid car stuff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I started autocrossing a Integra Type R, 2001. It was a Phoenix Yellow one. Autocrossed it in stock class, which really means back then it was you could change a front sway bar, you could change your shocks. Okay. And you could do a cat-back exhaust. So really... And tires, I assume. Tires. Yeah. No. Tires were wide open. Um, so very, very limited modifications. And it didn't take long doing that for me to segue into DEs uh, with some organizations. Yeah. Some track day stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that was 2001, 2001, 2002. That was um, about the time I got into this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it was right when, you know, track days were really starting to explode, gain popularity. Was that uh, that was that happened in Florida area too? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, predominantly Sebring and Roebling Road were the two that I went to okay. most yeah, often. Yeah, that's about the time that the track day thing became a thing in the Midwest too. So yeah, it's um, it was a fairly short leap from there to getting my first road race car. Yeah, I picked up an '89 CRX uh, out of a uh, from a seller down in Orlando. Good guy, still friends with him. He uh, now runs an STL EG. Is that uh, Richie Gonzalez? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I think, uh, I think you told me that you got it from a Gonzalez, and then I noticed him on some race monitor stuff mm-hmm. that I was, I was watching a race down, I think in Daytona before the runoffs, just to see what people did there. But yeah, no, Richie's a great guy. Um, he uh, he ran at EG, yeah, yeah, EG with I want to say a B18C yeah. in it, I believe. Uh, but yeah, he uh, has had a lot of prep help, I think, from uh, the guys over at IPG. I don't know yeah. if you know Tom Crane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tom's Facebook him. friends with all those guys. We had uh, we we published in, in a, a little blog article that uh, about buying a CRX, flying and buying a CRX. That uh, James uh, Innes, I think, is. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he wrote yeah, that. He and, we had and he and Richie went up there to go get the car. Oh, that was him. Yeah, that okay. was Richie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we put we put that we put the pictures in the, the article on the track tuned. So. Okay. I appreciate no, awesome. that that that, that uh, article help from James. So. No, they're they're great folks. Um, IPG guys, I know I've bought parts from them through the years. Yeah, I bought, I bought a bunch of little random stuff. <laughs> and, yeah, but they're they're good folks. So I I got the CRX and did a couple of seasons in that, two three seasons I want to say, and decided that I wanted to build an enduro car. It was back before all the real estate market crash and all that fun stuff. Back, back when before you, you had kids. Yeah, oh yeah, predates yeah. the kids. Um, so really, I, I stripped the important stuff out of the CRX. Uh, the suspension had conies on it, okay. uh, the revalved yellows, 
took the wheels and tires, took the engine, the transmission, the final drive, all that happy, fun stuff. Sold the uh, the shell as a roller, and built the uh, the Civic sedan that you referenced. Yeah. So, yeah. If anybody wants to look it up, it's on Honda Tech. His screen name is X I A N Christian uh, X E N, uh, and uh, it's quite a it's quite a build thread. I mean, it. You took that thing down to basically almost bare metal, right? Yeah. At yeah. at the time, I was working. I mean, a ton of hours, and it made sense to. To have a, uh, a race shop that was open at the time do a lot of the leg work as far as the chassis prep in the cage. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had Chris Schimmel with competition cages do the uh, the cage in it. Guy does phenomenal work. Uh, really solid cage design. Uh, the cage itself I cribbed off of uh, Kirk Nestus. Yeah, the, yeah, you've got the, on the, on the door bars, you've got uh, kind of a cool design. Anybody wants to see... A really well thought out uh, door bar design. That's uh, as far as uh, you know an impact to load path kind of uh, you know where the where the impact would go. It spreads it over a lot of points in the cage. It's it's kind of a cool design. Yeah, it's um, you know, Kirk Nestis. And I don't think Kirk hasn't been on the show, has he? No, no. Okay, I, um, I've never actually talked to Kirk. I only interacted with him on the forum and the Facebook and stuff. No, awesome guy. He used to be on the uh, the IT advisory committee. Yep. Um, really, really sharp guy. But um, the the cage design is kind of a uh, an IT interpretation of a FIA World Rally yeah. style cage. The, so the, the, the goofy part about IT is you're only allowed I think eight uh, eight points of attachment, and so you can't do the dimple die kind of pieces everywhere to really stiffen the car. Um, but yeah, that that cage design was uh, really well thought out. Yeah, it's um yeah I'd, I'd suggest listeners I mean look it up online, but it's a it gives you plenty of room around the driver without having to resort to traditional NASCAR bars, and yeah. it gives you better load paths in the process. Yep. Uh, but, you know, some, some cool stuff there. But I had Schimmel do the cage. Um, rest of the prep, it was a gorgeous car. Uh, ended up going with really nice blue. It was uh, the yeah, Laguna Blue color. Metallic. It was off of the, was it the AP2 S2000, I want to yeah. say. But, um, but yeah, I tremendous car you had a you had a big fuel and you, you talked about enduro you had a giant fuel cell in the back um and did you have a dry did you have a dry brake system on that yeah you know i honestly I, i've forgotten about all that yeah it's um <laughs> it had that's a, like a that's like a race car worth of fuel system parts <laughs> as far as money goes that's like two itc cars it, the uh, the fuel system yes was probably at least one and a half itc cars bordering yeah. on two yeah but it, um, yeah, it had a 22-gallon uh, cell, I believe, yeah. in the back uh, with custom mounting. And it also had uh, redhead dry brake brakes back there um, with a rollover discriminator valve. Oh, and uh, explain to people what a dry brake actually is for those not, not, so, that aren't familiar. Yeah, a dry brake, and you can see it used most commonly in, in any type of professional motorsports. Yeah. But uh, it's where, a, where there's a fuel stop involved. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a system whereby the fuel container plugs in. Basically, there's a physical mounting. There's a male end on the uh, the fuel jug, a female end on the uh, the uh, the vehicle itself on the receiver. When the two of them come together, it opens up the valve both on the car and on the uh, the fuel jug. The upshot to it is that the 10 gallon jugs that that I had. You could drain a 10-gallon jug in 11 and a half, 12 seconds. Oh, my gosh. So 
<laughs> That's yeah. so fast. Well, did, it uh, was it was designed for Enduros. Did, did Mike Taylor have dry brake on his uh, on his STL car that you and I drove at VIR? No, he did not. He's got uh, a really fast system, but I didn't think it was a full dry brake. Yeah, he's got a. I think he's got a hogged out opening to it, and he's got some uh, like Hunsucker jugs or something. like yeah, that? Yeah, he's got some nice jugs. Yeah, uh, really nice jugs. That sounds kind of wrong, uh, but his his I, I, it takes longer, yeah. uh, but not considerably so. Um, the dry, yeah. dry brake is like the the true like that's a true enduro like professional level fueling setup. Yeah, I I, I want to say they're two hundred and fifty three hundred bucks per fitting. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's, uh, that's for so the female money. plus the same yeah. for the male. My car's got a stock tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was um like I said, it was before the market crash, it was in the good old bad days. Yeah. Um when it was one of those, you know, while you're in there. Yeah. While you're in there, why not do a fuel cell? Yeah. If you want to do Enduros, you need a fuel cell. Yeah, so spend a few hundred extra bucks here, a few hundred yeah. extra bucks there. That's how you end up with a $30,000 ITA car. Did, um, did you really have about that much into it? If you factor in the engine and the transmission and stuff, it was probably more like twenty-seven. Okay. But, yeah. And, but that was prep work from another time, so we're not going to think about that money. And I, Well, I mean, I, I try to be fairly honest with myself on the numbers, which doesn't yeah. help. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, it, all, all in, it was around probably 27, 28. Okay. So should should I block uh, your wife from when I posted this uh, on Facebook? Should no, we block? no, no. <laughs> okay. that, that's back when uh, when She's the cash aware. flowed like wine. She was aware of the EDSC, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. and it's um, but don't worry. I, I I mean I only sold that for thirty three cents on the dollar. Oh jeez. Um, well, at least it got used. I mean, you sold it just to uh, you sold it to Blake and. Uh, uh, Tyler, yeah, the, and it some went people on the to forum that they they ended up uh, using it for VIR thirteen a couple times, yeah. and I think it won, did it, it won it won its class, yeah, it won ITA, yeah, either the first or second time, yeah. um, and now it's uh, got sold again, and now it's down in Florida somewhere, yeah. so it's down in Orlando, but I, I don't know if it's being actively run. It was it was sold this last time so cheap that I thought I have to buy this. And I and I'll sell my CRX just because it, it's you know it's that car that's uh, you know f- for any EF race car it's the one that I like it's the one I want and if it comes up for sale again I I'll probably sell my car you know it's when I looked at it the last time it came up I kicked around the idea of it yeah because um, it was so cheap it was and and if it comes back up again we'll have to have a conversation yeah because yeah it's it was. Look at the build. I mean, but it was replumbed. The brake lines were replumbed to uh, have dual uh, bias valves, so you could individually control the left and the right. Oh, really? Brakes. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. Um, was plumbed in with a, of course, a you know fire extinguisher system. Yeah. Had a really nice Recaro Pro Racer winged seat. Um, a nice wheel with a quick disconnect. Oh, did you did you blast the whole interior and? All of the sound deadening was uh, licked off of the inside and licked off of the outside. Yeah, I, like I remember seeing pictures of it on a rotisserie, and yeah. some dude was blasting the whole bottom of the car. Yeah, and yeah. It it was stripped down and basically redone as a body in white. And you painted it all white. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, dude, awesome car. And um, I mean, selling it then was the right thing to do. Yeah. But it did make it uh, certainly painful. 
watching it go. How many times did you race it? Uh, twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> that I, to me, that's the insanity of it. Oh, it, absolutely. And and it's yeah to to put some framework around it. I mean, you know, built the car and it took. I bet you it took it took about a year. Yeah, I believe that to get the car finished. Uh, and it was all new parts, new hubs, new bearings, new ball joints. Yeah. New tie rods. Uh, shook it down at an August race in Daytona and did all right. Uh, Daytona is not the track for it just because aero is so important out there. And yeah. the sedan draws uh, a lot more drag than the CRX. Took it up to the Arc at Road Atlanta, ran it there for the sprint, then the Enduro. What year What year was this, like 09 or something? 08 or 09. I think it was yeah. 09. So IT was pretty big back then still. It was big, but not as big as it was even back in... Oh, six, oh, eight, oh, five. Oh, seven, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, every year it was getting smaller. Yeah, improved touring class. It was super popular late 90s, early 2000s. So. Uh, it was when I when I got into it, when I bought my CRX, it was not uncommon for the ARC to have 25 or 30 people in ITA. Jeez. Yeah, my like, first. W- would they give them their own run group, or they pair yeah. them with? Yeah, they, wow. they would get their own run group, possibly with IT7, with a okay. split start. Yeah. But... It wasn't a, a potpourri of other classes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of pointy in people. Uh, Greg and me, who you have, you've had yeah. on the podcast before, ended up with an ITA championship in his NX 2000 yeah. around the same time, maybe 06. Right. We've talked about the ARC before a couple times, but it's the American Road Race of Champions. And for a while, because uh, improved touring classes aren't eligible technically for, you know, as improved touring cars, they're not eligible for the runoffs, the SEC runoffs. Uh, some some classes allow them in, but they're you know non-competitive basically. You know, two, three, four, five, six seconds behind. But that so that was kind of like the national championships for many years for especially for the improved touring classes. But um, the uh, that those days have kind of changed a little bit, and a lot of the improved touring cars have you know a lot. They're still pretty popular in regionals. My last improved touring A race, I think I had. 11 or 12 cars which was a pretty good field for a couple of years ago but well and uh, just like everything there are pockets yeah, uh, yeah florida florida is really good with it racing still if you yeah. look at daytona entries sebring entries pbir you'll still see fields of 15 and 20 cars in some cases yeah. but florida is kind of the outlier uh as you start to move forward you know further north Atlanta has hardly any ITA population anymore. Yeah, yeah, it just which, totally changed. Which is a shame because Road Atlanta yeah. is such a great track. Uh, there's only a couple SCCA races there nowadays uh, per year. I mean, it's not like there's six weekends or something at Road Atlanta. So. No, and and Atlanta has struggled with entries, um, and I, I don't really have a good reason why. Yeah. Uh, I know that they're, you know, obviously they were hit hard by the economy, and I think that they lost a lot of racers because of that. I think there's a lot of racers there, but... Um, the, I mean, within there's a lot of racers that will drive to Road Atlanta. Uh, there's a lot of people running this this weekend at, with NASA, um, like well over 100 cars. But uh, in December, you know, but I think uh, the Arc suffered for many years from being on like the same weekend as Halloween. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a it's a weird it's kind of a weird time for that. But it's it's an odd dynamic. But the the track itself is a phenomenal place to race it's a phenomenal place to drive yeah i'm looking forward to it a lot i'm also like i said quite scared but 
Um, anyway, you uh, so now you bought a Subaru and you've gotten back into. Um, uh, you had a bunch of autocross cars. What have you What have you had since you got kind of back into cars after the kids uh, grew up a couple years? And so, after after the triplets uh, grew up a little bit more and we started to have a little bit of time back on the uh, the schedule and a little bit of sanity and a little bit more uh, dollars and cents to make stuff work. Um, had a E36 M3. Uh, had a 97 Type R. Uh, 89 Civic SI, another 91 S, 91 Civic. It was a swapped. It was a V16. That swap. white one, yeah. Yep. That was uh, when you f- you flew up to Chicago, and the, and you bought that car in my driveway. Yes. And or my parents' driveway. And that was uh, and I, I picked you up from the airport in this truck. And that was actually the time that we actually met for the first time in real life. So, um, I I like that car. That thing was uh, pretty Did clean for what for a Midwest car. Yeah, no, the, it was. It a, had it was AC. A cool that car. was the reason you bought it. Yep, AC B sixteen limited slip LSD. Yep. Yeah, it was it was a solid it was a solid little car. Yep. So I, I got to talk about the EF Generation Civic, of course. So uh, you know you do we tend have, to focus in on that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, little the, bit. one um, track mind. When the, you got a small one, you can't you can't spread it across <laughs> a lot of cars. You got to think about one car at a time. The uh, the eighty nine SI that I had immediately before the uh, the one that I got up here. Yeah. Um, that was a car that I pulled some parts off of. Uh, Is that the car you sold to your cousin? Yes. I sold him a bunch of parts. Yeah. Did he, um, end, did he ever end up turboing it? He did not end up turboing it. He ended up selling it to somebody else okay. who's been autocrossing it, and I think it's That's for good. sale again. That was a pretty nice – I mean, it was a pretty solid show, but it was kind of yeah, kind was, of you know been a race car a long time. Oh, yeah. It had been an autocross car for a long time. And yes, autocross cars, in my opinion, are race cars. I, At least a little bit. Yeah. You can, you can they, call them race cars. Uh, you know, I, I guess that's a different discussion, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know Brad uh, teases me mercilessly about my definition of racing. Brad Adams. Brap. Yeah. Brad Adams. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I Autocross is a timed competition. Yeah. But to me, when somebody says auto racing, my head goes to wheel to wheel. Yeah, yeah. And I know that that excludes... Anything that it's against the clock, time trial, autocross, even rally. It's yeah. not door to door. So again, uh, actually, my- rally can be. <laughs> if you pass a really, really <laughs> slow car, you can go door to door for a split second. But uh, my my narrow interpretation of it, yeah. when somebody says racing, I go to what I know the best, which is wheel to wheel. Now, having said that, time trial is obviously racing. So is rally. Yeah. Autocross is racing also. Um, it's just my uh, my prejudice creeping in. Yeah, I'm I'm not one of those track day and road race guys that thinks autocrossing is stupid. I've done it a few times, you know, probably a dozen times, but I'm I was okay at it. I've just never had the time for it. So it it is a very specific discipline. Yeah, but you you've autocrossed all the cars, you know, since that since your uh, road race cars that you've had. Um, the uh, whoa! The truck is walking around a little bit because of uh, because of that bad bump that we just ran. Woo! That's kind of spooky. Yeah, that no, big I... old Subaru is on the back of that trailer. <laughs> yeah, good thing so, we got a dually. Yeah, so we all we we almost just died. Yeah, well, that was fine. <laughs> but uh, see, that's like autocrossing. Just yeah. imagine that you're weaving between pylons. Well, we were just weaving between <laughs> lanes, so that's all. But um, next time that happens, reach down and grab that brake controller. Yeah, I, let me figure out where it is by hand. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just jam. Yeah, there you go. Um, is it the button there? Uh, you slide it back and forth. 
okay. But yeah, the uh, yeah, slide that squ this squeeze right thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, so I just got a lesson on where the brake controller is That's on this thing. That's the brake controller. There we go. Oh. I think yeah, it's the we need to we need to stop and replug that uh, wire in. It's flashing at me. We got brake lights and we got some brakes, but sometimes they're popping on and off. But that's comforting. Anyway, you you so autocrossed uh, all the cars you've had since the race car. Yeah, and you know I autocrossed before that. I autocrossed the the Type R. I autocrossed a Swap DG. Um, yeah. Autocrossed a Mini Cooper S. You you owned a Mini Cooper S. Yeah. yeah. How how are those things? Uh, short term infatuation. Yeah. Um, I've never been in one. I've sat in like a regular base mini, mini Cooper that my brother-in-law's girlfriend had because we were fixing the door because something got stupid with it. But that's the only exposure I have to a Mini Cooper. I traded it in before the first oil change. Oh, okay. <laughs> and not, not in love with it. Huh? Uh, so uh, a cool car, and it was a I, I want to say an 05. Okay. It was the the first year that they had an optional limited slip. Yeah. Um, I, I dislike owning front-wheel drive cars without a limited slip. Yeah. So picked one of those up as a street car, drove it a little bit, did a couple of autocrosses with it, and never never felt like the stability control was really off when it was supposed to be off. Okay. And just, I don't know, it, it wasn't, it didn't really gel with me. Yeah. And yeah. at the time... They're pretty quick, too, right? Oh, yeah, and it yeah. made gorgeous noises. Yeah. The supercharger, it was root style. Yep. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the noises it made. Okay. But uh, traded that in on an 06 STI that I bought because at the time I was looking at 996, turb or 996 Porsches <laughs> and couldn't convince myself to buy one of those or a yeah. Cayman because they were a whole lot of money, so, so I bought an STI. So you've, you've, you've gone down the path that you went down today before. Yes. Yeah, you've, yeah, yeah. You've that, bought was, an that was nine years ago. You've bought an STI twice now instead of a 996 Turbo. And That's it's funny. Well, the last time it was a regular 996. This time it was a Turbo. Oh, but okay. Point being that, yes, both times I've looked at 996s seriously, I've come to my senses and bought a, uh, a flat four turbocharged all-wheel drive Japanese car. Yeah. Um, but, you know, autocrossing... The, not, the 89 SI that I had most recently was fun, uh, but I went ahead and I stripped some parts off of it. Yeah, you had double adjustable Motons and stuff uh, on there. No, it had uh, MCS triples Oh, that front. was the car you did MCSs on? Yep, that had MCS your, triples. Your ITR before that had the Motons. Yes, the, okay. uh, the 97 ITR before that had double adjustable Motons. Yeah, Christian's in the pimp shock world, so... I, I'll once tell you, you buy into the pimp shocks once, you can just like keep re-upping for a new pimp shocks. That's that, and, and it's tough to go back. <laughs> yeah, it I is believe so it. tough to go back. Um, but monotubes, and I, I loved the the Coney 30s. Who is it? 3011s or 30 some 3013s? Uh, you had, that were on the Corvette. You had 303012, 3012s on there that you go. thing. My, the car, the ones I just put on my car are the 3011s. Okay, which are monotubes also. Yeah, but. the. Tremendous shock. Really enjoyed it. But uh, you know, Lee from uh, Coney told me that uh, for many years that was like the preferred shock for Pikes Peak by a lot of people because it was kind of good at everything, like pavement, and then, you know, you transition big bumps to the, and then down onto the gravel, and uh, a lot of people really like that shock for how, you know, it's, an, it's older F1 technology from like the 70s, you know, but it was pretty good at everything, so... Yeah, it's it's a tremendous shock. Um, 
having the ability though to play with high speed compression and low speed compression yeah uh with the with the triples i really liked that the the tough thing is that you just about have to find them use your your triples uh was that high speed low speed compression and then just one rebound dampening correct yeah okay yeah so what you ended up with is you have a uh, remote canister yep. and so the canister handles high speed and low speed compression and then your rebound is just on the top of the uh, the shock so that there's two knobs on the canister yes i think i remember seeing that on your black type bar yep i um, uh took the shocks and i put them onto the black type bar. yeah that was the car that you drove to the vir 13 and we ran last year with mike taylor yeah. so. and tremendous tremendous shocks but yeah the autocross the 89 si autocross the 91 swapped hatch that i got up here yeah quite a lot and i'll tell you as far as a honda based autocross machine you can't beat the ef it's they're so good well it's lighter but it's got the same double wishbone suspension that the newer stuff had so better geometry too yeah overall a lot of people like the geometry of the ef better it i had it kind of down in the weeds but it was running 15 by nines you had that thing low it was awfully low yeah I had, it, 15 by nines with 225 rivals up what, on front what class did you run that in smf uh yes okay. we had uh, locally we had a street tire version of smf okay you would have been outgunned nationally oh with yeah smf yeah but. yeah for for smf nationally you ideally want 275 hoosiers and a big k car k, k swap or uh turbo swap mm-hmm. yeah exactly but you know for a local car you can drive around a whole lot of that yeah and I think just based on lowering the car, I think I had like four degrees of camber up front. Yeah. Which for a street tire was about perfect. Yeah, EFs gain camber just about perfectly as you lower them. So. No, they're a superior car. And then I had the uh, the black type R that I autocrossed in STX and went from that to the Corvette. And now I've got a STU STI. Yeah, and you're going to take that to a, an event on Sunday, you said? Yeah, uh, we have a uh, semi-local event about two hours, two and a half hours from home. Okay. Uh, up in Dixie region, so it's just uh, very south Georgia. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when I get home Friday or Saturday, I've already got new tires waiting there. You're going to take, take it to discount or whatever? Uh, yeah, got to get the uh, the yeah. new tires mounted up. I picked up some 71Rs, the uh, the Bridgestones. Yeah, I love that tire. What What's on it right now? Uh, right now, and... I will plug myself and say that if anybody wants some uh, good condition 24540 Z1 star specs, everybody's much loved, no longer available. Uh, yeah, th- I liked the Z1 a lot, but that's a couple years old now. Dude, for uh, yeah. for track days and stuff, it's a great tire. Once they warm up, that's an awesome tire. Yeah, yeah. and and I've got two sets of them. Uh, the car came with uh, the Is wheels really? that are on it. Yeah. Wow. So. I've got extra tires. Then again, I've still got tires from the Corvette that I no longer have also. So <laughs> got 315s, 295s, yeah, a stack yeah. of 255s at home. That'll happen. And I uh, actually, in just the last couple of years, I think I finally sold the uh, or threw away a spare oil filter that I had from my last SDI. Okay. Just in time to buy a new one. Yeah. It was probably going bad anyway. Yeah. Not a smart guy. Um, the... Uh, after we talked to you at uh, ITR Expo, um, you continued on to Solo Nationals. That was your first trip to uh, SCCA Solo National Autocross Nationals. Um, you were just telling me, and, and this is the reason I said, okay, let's just record this. You were, you were telling me about the layout. Uh, 
that event is at Lincoln Air Park, correct? Like uh, a giant airport? Uh, correct, yeah. It's a, um, it's a section of the airport in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I, I don't know the logistics of how SCCA managed to, to get this, uh, this big chunk of runway. It's like a, it's a giant square piece of concrete, pretty much, right? Uh, yeah, uh, rectangular. But, okay. yeah, it's a, uh, referred well, to as yeah, the, yeah. the concrete beach. Yeah. But the size of it really is kind of comical. Uh, I managed to get there at night, so I didn't, I didn't realize how big the place was until I came back in the following morning. But it's, it's large enough that I think this year there were roughly 1,300 entrants. So 1,300 entrants for solo nationals. Yeah, that's a lot of competitors. It's a lot of people. Uh, a lot and there's of a lot of classes, but you got to put all those people at the same event, and they all get they all have to get what like five or six runs. Yeah, the, the uh, way of, it's, of competition. Yeah, the way it's set up is that they're each class runs across two days. Yeah. Uh, one course is run on the first day. The second course is run on the second day. You get three runs on each course. Okay. So there's two competition courses. Um, and you were saying there's a practice course. Yeah, the uh, the layout of it. If yeah, you you gotta go. You gotta describe that again because the way you <laughs> blows my mind a little bit. And yeah, and and I may have my uh, my north and south reverse, but up at one end of it, uh, imagine that it's uh, at the north end. You have an entire autocross course, and immediately adjacent to it, to the right, is another complete autocross course. Now, as you move further down, there's room for two grids for each autocross course. The idea being that one grid is the hot grid where cars are actively being pulled out and making the runs. The other grid is reserved for the prior group to give them time to be looked over by the uh, their competitors. And then these rotate throughout the day. Yeah. So really what you have is you have two complete autocross courses that are close to a minute apiece. Yeah. You have four grids. And they're fast courses too. Yeah, um, they're pretty quick. Yeah, like they're not tiny little parking lots that are only good for Miatas. I mean, this is a fast, big course. Yeah, it was. We were we were hitting fuel cut in a couple of spots, which is just shy of seventy miles an hour. Okay, and that's on street tires. Yeah, the faster cars I want to say were in the mid seventies. So these are these are legitimately quick autocross courses. And there's room for vendors. Shifter there's, carts are probably going what hundred miles an hour on some uh, of these things. You know, I, I don't know. I, I assume that they'd probably be revved out, but I, yeah. I don't know. I didn't watch the shifter carts. It's, but it's fast. I mean, they're they're big courses. Yeah. And room for multiple grids, room for thirteen hundred people to paddock, plus room for a large test course, plus room for you know additional vendors and on-site tire changing by Hoosier. But it is ridiculously big. I, I brought a BMX bike to get around, and that wasn't enough. I should have brought an actual <laughs> motorized pit bike or, you know, a and, uh, golf cart. And it's not like everybody leaves at night. Like, most of them camp there, correct? Like, a lot of them do. That's RVs true. and enclosed trailers everywhere. And uh, Absolutely. Uh, there are, you know, large tents set up by the different regions. I uh, spent some time over in the uh, Atlanta region and also with some of the Carolina folks. Uh, one of the guys, Tim White, had a Trasherita machine set up. Which, Trasherita, for those of you who may not be familiar with it, uh, it's a garbage disposal hooked up to a five-gallon bucket. <laughs> um, or no, on top of a five-gallon bucket. And the way it works is you pour in, he'd pour in a 
jug of tequila, a jug of mix, 10-pound bag of ice, turn on the, uh, the uh, garbage disposal, and it would actually feed in a loop back into the top. Okay. And it would make between, I want to say, 5 to 10 gallons yeah, I saw of margaritas at a time. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. It was... And it would do it in like a minute and a half. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, there was a big wheel pro solo. So a, a head-to-head big wheel competition okay. on a miniature autocross course. Yeah, uh, explain to people what, what the pro solo uh, concept is. This is something they do in a couple days leading up to nationals, correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the weekend before nationals is a pro solo. And I'll say it's difficult to get in. You've got to qualify for it. You have to run a certain number of events to, to qualify to run the pro solo finale. My understanding is it's kind of a cross between a drag race and... And autocross. It's uh, when I was saying earlier about I mean, how I, racing I have, is, yeah, is door to door. Yeah. This is the closest that you're going to get to door to door autocross. I have a pretty good idea of how it works, but it's it's parallel courses only reversed, correct? Correct, yeah. And they start next to each other? Mirror image courses. Yeah. That start That's what next I mean, to mirror each other. Image, yeah. And you have a uh, like a pro tree, like from a drag strip. Drag race pro tree, yeah. Now, here's where things get interesting is that you may be paired up against a dissimilar car. Yeah. So you could have a Civic up against a Corvette. Yeah. Now, the Civic, assuming that it's a stock configuration, not some sort of monster, their light would go green in advance of the Corvette. Yeah. And then the Corvette would be handicapped and would launch after the Civic has already started. How do they determine the, the difference between that? Is that with the PAX system? Or? Yeah. The, okay. the PAX is uh, effectively a, a handicapping or an indexing system. Yeah, P-A-X is... Yep. Uh, Run with the PAX. The idea behind it being that if you apply a multiplier to both vehicles, you should be able to to even out or equate dissimilar vehicles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dissimilar prep. And so the first guy to cross the finish line wins. Correct. In the pro solo. Yep. So um, it comes down to, like, drag race start ability and stuff also. And that's where you do see some advantages to the all-wheel drive cars. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, a lot of classes allow for... Sheesh. Uh, yeah, the roads here are terrible. Yeah, we're um, getting a lot of potholes. We're down by Lafayette, Indiana right now, heading towards Indy. A lot of the classes allow for launch control. Okay. So the Subaru that's back there on the trailer has launch control built into the uh, the tune. Yeah. And you can cut, I want to say, like 1.7 second, 60 foot. Oh, wow. That's not bad. That's that's almost as fast as I ran my 11-second Civic drag car on wrinkle wall slicks. (laughs) And that's You're doing really well there on street (laughs) tires. (laughs) To do that with a 3,100-pound car on street tires? Yeah, I did that with a 2,000-pound drag car. Prepped Civic and hundreds of passes of practice, and I could still only get a one six five or something out of that. That's but impressive. How are we doing on the recorder there? Yeah, Everything we're doing good? we're doing good. The battery life say anything? Are we good with that? Uh, we have two bars of battery of three. No, oh, we're fine then. I just I, I've only used it for about forty five minutes. I got extra batteries if we need it. But no, we're um, good. Yeah, we should be fine for a while. But you know, I'll I'll say that was my first trip out to nationals. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of fun. There are a lot of really, really cool folks out there. Uh, a lot of, you know, BSing after uh, the day is done. How many days were you there? Uh, I was there, I think I got there Monday. No, I got there Tuesday. Okay. And my runs were Thursday, Friday. So there was a different group of people running Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, Expo was what? Saturday, Sunday, Monday? Yes. 
Yeah. yeah, it was a three-day event over Labor Day. So you left Monday morning, I believe, right? Yep. Yeah. I think I left Monday morning to head back to Chicago. Went to Kyle's. Oh, yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I talked to you Monday night at, uh, at our shop by yeah. Kyle's house. And then drove out Tuesday. Yeah. Which that was a long drive. Yeah, it's it's a boring drive, too, going yeah. from Chicago to, to Nebraska. There was a whole lot of nothing out there. It's so, like, there, there's, like, 15 cool miles, like, seven miles in each direction of, like, uh, the Mississippi, where there's, yeah. like, a little bit of, like, up and down, and then you get to see the Mississippi for a second, and then you're back to cornfields. <laughs> it's not all that great. You know, my, my only, uh, the only item that I wished that I did but I didn't yeah. was I didn't stop at the come and go. Didn't stop what? The come and go. The, uh, the, the gas station? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're pretty popular out there. I I understand that they have koozies and shirts. and Yeah, they they do. They've got quite a name uh, for themselves. <laughs> but the the event is cool. The, the event is definitely worth going out to yeah. if you've never been. The depth of talent, man, there's some fast guys out there. Yeah, that is, that's, I mean, if, you, if you're a good autocrosser, um, uh, you pr- you probably suck at nationals. I've heard. Uh, I, w- I would like to go. I was talking to you earlier. I'd like to go at once just to see it, um, and and do it. You know, but I, I have, uh, you know, if I practiced for five years, there'd be a, uh, a snowball's chance in hell of me doing well. That's the the best of the best guys show up there, and it, girls, obviously. Yeah, no, and and it, and it really is. I mean, locally in my area, I'm one of the fast guys. Yeah, I think. But going out there, I managed a kind of mid-pack finish. Didn't oh. drive my best. Oh, uh, what I, class did you run in? Uh, ran in uh, what's called A Street. Yeah. So very limited modifications. Uh, stock with uh, wheels, any size tire, but it has to be a 200 treadwear tire. Yeah. Uh, you can do any type of uh, shock, more or less. And you can do one sway bar. Uh, cat back exhaust. And any type of brake pad. But that's okay. really about the limits of the rules. Yeah. And, uh, again, basically around a mid-pack finish. And had I drove my best, I could have maybe finished two spots higher. Okay. But So it was pretty close there but, uh, as far as competition with you and other people. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, there, there was definitely competition there, but I was... I was seconds and seconds back from the leaders. Like multiple seconds? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, far enough back from the leaders that I, mentally I can't even figure out how they did what they did. How, uh, who won your class? Um, trying to blank on his name right now. Super nice guy. Met him while he was out there. He's driving a C5 Z06 also. Yeah. So That's kind of a spec Corvette class right now. Huh? Uh, in, in a lot of ways, yeah. Uh, the C5... Z06 is an option, and the C6 Z06 is an option, yeah. uh, as is the C6 Grand Sport. But, okay. yeah, really the the Corvettes are kind of the chosen cars for it. Yeah. There are some other options. I want to say um, some Porsche options, but they're all higher-dollar cars also. Yeah, obviously. C5 Z06 is quite the bang-for-the-buck <clears throat> car right now. There's one out in Portland that I think was 15000 Jeez. That's Autocross really, prepped. That's really reasonable. You could get rid of all your Hondas. No. Now's the time. I ain't got the time to get rid of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we we were uh, we were talking earlier that uh, yeah, I mean for the f- for the time in your life right now, you were saying autocross just fits really well 
Um, it, like if you it, in a typical weekend, if you gonna if you're gonna do an autocross, like what does your schedule for the weekend consist of? Like as far as the prep work to it and uh, leading up to the event and day of, like what do you time wise, what do y'all have into it? So autocross, uh, autocross is unbelievably simple. It really is. Uh, prep time on the car is effectively zero because you're running more stock ish cars you know anything anything that isn't a time bomb that's not going to blow up yeah as long as it's had its oil changed recently you're probably fine on prep okay it really doesn't for for the track guys out there you know like yourself that do wheel to wheel where you're used to nut and bolting the car going through changing pads changing rotors yeah do you do that stuff maybe once a year me no no no, for autocross maybe yeah (laughs) what but you, you know, your track guys are used to doing that between events, right? Yeah, pretty much. I yeah. mean, that's my my rule of thumb when I was racing was that for every weekend that I was racing, that meant one weekend in the garage doing prep. Yeah, yeah, that, that that adds up. You know, the, your free time in a weekend, uh, that's about right. Yep. Yeah, and so my my prep for autocross was to pop the trunk, and I would put in my Rubbermaid bin of the stuff that I use at an autocross. Yeah sunscreen my poncho tire pressure gauge just your basic stuff throw in my helmet a folding chair put in a small cooler of drinks and then make a sandwich the morning of the event yeah get in the car and drive how far how far are you driving to your typical regional events uh my regular local stuff is about 45 minutes yeah um some of them depending on the site maybe an hour hour and 15 okay so you got a few sites around you huh Yes. Yeah. Okay. From from where I am, I've got probably a choice of about four or five sites that oh, are wow. within an hour, hour and a half. That's really good. Yeah. That's a lot. And that's are they pretty good sites? Yeah, they're all right. When we say sites, we mean like basically the parking lot that you use. Yeah, it's uh, wow. either airstrips. Uh, there are some smaller road courses that we can set up autocrosses on. And like uh, the firm or whatever? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Florida International Rally and Motorsports. Yeah, that looks like a cool place. It's a neat place. They have a lot of really cool stuff there. But there are enough sites that are within basically a morning drive. Yeah. If I can be up, I'll grant you it's early, but I could be up at 5 or 6 still be on site in time to get unpacked get registered teched walk through check out the course run and then i can be depending on the club i can be out the door two or three yeah which for a family friendly sort of an activity yeah makes it a whole lot easier don't tell my wife about autocross (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure she never do that you should do that. You know, it's yeah. it's nice. Uh, and, I mean, a lot of times I'll come in early and do course setup so that if I do need to to jump out early, I can leave by 11 or 12. Okay. Because you don't have to do working sessions and exactly, stuff. Exactly, yeah. Where I you mean, have to, like, basically, what are the, uh, the workers, you know, you kind of spot and pick up cones and put them back in the right spot. Yeah, and, and I'll say that's probably the, the biggest gripe yeah. from people. Um, they have to work the course, yeah. Yeah, is that uh, is that part of the whole the organization of it is that you have to volunteer. So the the whole autocross thing is run by volunteers. So you have volunteers in registration, volunteers uh, at the starting line, the grid, volunteers out at corner stations, so that when you knock over cones, there's somebody to pick them back up. Yeah. 
So really, if you're going to be running, you're volunteering to do some sort of work assignment through the day. Yeah. Which can make the day kind of drag on. I mean, if you're out there, you know, standing around shagging cones, it can get kind of old. You know, my suggestion is, if you don't like that stuff, volunteer to do the early work assignments. Most regions have those. And I would rather get out there early, do my work before it gets hot. Yeah, get all the work the out and done yeah. right away. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm done in the morning, and then I can relax. And you know, if I need, we have uh, instructors that are needed. I can ride with people and help coach them a little bit. Yeah. But it certainly takes some of the pressure off of having to do something for the rest of the day. Yeah, a while back, uh, a few weeks ago, I was, I don't know, we were texting back and forth about something. I think, you know, some car you were thinking about buying. And uh, and I was I'd seen on Facebook that you and Billy Elward were is that how you say his last name Elward Elward yeah, Elward yeah um, it's a weird name but hi Billy uh, you you saw you guys were co-driving his car uh, at, a, at an event I and I asked you how the event was going and it was like probably three o'clock my time I yeah. was I was just getting off of work on a Saturday. And you were like, oh, I've been home for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I was, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's a well-chosen hobby, my friends. <laughs> you know, it's, again, if, if, you play, if you play your cards right, and from that I mean if you, if you volunteer to get there early, I would rather be there. And, and by early, typically you need to be there by 7. Okay. Which I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's I mean, not be, bad. Well, if, if you're first run group of the weekend at a uh, race weekend, and you're going to be on track at 8, you know what? You're going to be at the track at 7 anyway. Oh, yeah, easily. Yeah, so it's not any earlier, but to me the accessibility is that if I want to do an autocross, I can toss everything in the car the night before. I can drive out to it with the AC on. I can run the event, and I can be back home, you know, after lunchtime, but while yeah. it's still daylight out. Now since you know since you're kind of in that world now and you came from the road race world a little bit um and you've still got the ability to run road race cars you you can get your comp license back just with a letter basically uh you did that last year right yeah actually uh, i uh renewed with a three-year oh so you still got it yeah i've still got okay. my comp license um but uh the thing that scares me because i love the wheel to wheel thing i love the open track thing and i think wow, that autocross thing would really fit my life pretty well right now. Uh, are you always trying to sell yourself on autocross because you've done the road race thing, or is it like it's totally scratching the itch for you? I, I would say it's right now it's, it just sounded like you said you did, you gave me a sales pitch. <laughs> no, 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 no. Dude, I believe you. What, what works for me, yeah. I will say 100% isn't going to work for everybody. Yeah. But... I think I the, see that. Yeah. the trick to it is having something that you do find exciting to autocross. Yeah. Because, and Billy was awesome. Billy opened up a seat in his car because I had nothing. Um, well, already sold I mean, I had other yeah. offers also. But, I mean, I, I didn't have a car because my Corvette got sold yeah. faster than I expected. And Billy's car is a... What's it? Basically, it's an EK. I think it was his street car. It's his daily driver. Oh, right? it's completely his daily driver. Yeah, he it normally is. he normally runs his hatchback, right? His Civic hatchback. Yeah, he he's had got that thing all apart because he's doing a motor swap. I think exactly. Yeah, he has a really really nice EF. It's like the prettiest EF. The thing's like gorgeous. The prettiest EF. Yes. Um, and it had a B eighteen C five. Yeah, Type R motor, I think. Yep. And he pulled that out and is putting in a K. 
So would he run an SMF then, or your? Well, yeah, normally he would run an SMF. Your local street tire kind of SMF. Yeah, and it varies. Uh, the class got pulled for this year, the street tire portion of it. So we still have street modified front wheel drive SMF. Okay. But uh, so Billy, you know, offered up a seat, and this is a. I don't know. I guess a base model four door, so it's not even the VTEC engine. Oh, it's the D16 Y7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a turd of a motor. <laughs> they're pretty. It, they're they're pretty much good just for driving to work. It, and he made no promises of com, you know competitiveness. It has you know stock intake, stock exhaust, stock everything. Yeah. Uh, I think it's got eBay coilovers. Okay. And that's only about the best. The extent. So we ran it in SMF. We ran it in street modified front wheel drive. Yeah. Against all these cars with engine swaps and suspension, and some of them with, I think some of them had R comps on. Yeah. Did you wring that little uh, four doors neck? Or? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think I ended up finishing like seventh of nine or seventh <laughs> of ten. Yeah. Billy wheeled it. Yeah. I, he finished third. Third with I think that. He finished thing? third against swapped street uh, swapped better tired cars probably. Yeah. Uh, no, I t- and he, it had seventy one R's. He took his tires oh, okay. off of his. EF and yeah, put it yeah. on there, yep. but dude, I rode with him. He was he was wheeling it. He was doing things to that car that I wasn't comfortable That's doing awesome. because it wasn't mine. <laughs> um, and even if I was comfortable doing them, I think he still would have beaten me. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. And um, my typical co-driver, my normal co-driver Nelson Antunes, ended up first, and a good friend of ours, Mike, who was co-driving with him down visiting, ended up second. Okay. So, I mean, it's so you asked about scratching the edge. And yeah, and you said if you get something exciting to autocross, and then you proceeded to talk about a stock EK. And four-door. that's my point. Is that that <laughs> if I had to autocross Billy's car every weekend, yeah, yeah, I'd probably stop doing it. Yeah, because was that I basically I went down to go hang out with everybody. Yeah, because that's it's not an exciting car. It's not a competitive car, but going down and socializing was a big part of it and i went down i set up the course and again to your point i was done by i think i was done by 12 and then i hung around i did some instructor co-drives with people rode with them yeah and then i was home by two something okay so if you were taking say your turbocharged car out yeah i think that that would be fun um that's the car i'm thinking about yeah my red hatchback i'm thinking about putting small brakes on it and smaller wheels and uh Turning it into something I can use for something. What size wheels so. does it have? Uh, it's got some 15s right now, but I've got uh, my 14-inch Panasports that have Hankook C71 uh, autocross tires on them oh, right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and I would like to burn them down doing something. They don't fit on my new brakes on my race car. So. I, I think that car with our comps would be a lot of fun. Uh, I think I've on never street tires, would be, it would be frustrating. It's got it's got a lot of even on low boost. It's it, and low boost around eleven seven at one hundred eighteen, so it's got rolling power out the ears. Uh, but it's got a lot of power down low, which is the the thing that you know I worry it would just burn tires down. But um, I got to read the rules for uh, for SMF. I think it'd be a lot of fun for it, and it'd just be something to do with it. Yeah, I just. I would take it out as is and not worry about the rules. Well, I got to fix the trans. I blew it up at 150 miles an hour. I, I jammed the brakes in gear and exploded it. Uh oh, which way are we going here? Yeah, we're going the right way. Um, <coughs> you, yeah. you did what to the trans? I, I exploded the trans at 150 miles an hour on track. At Gingerman, you know, the long straight? Yes, yeah. Um, I know this car tops out at 150, 
because I did a half mile airport race with it. Yep, I remember. And uh, at about uh, about two or three hundred feet shy of the timing markers, it would run out of gear. So me and my brother up the uh, we <laughs> up the rev limiter to like seventy nine hundred or something. It's an F. <laughs> it's a it's an Accord F series motor. It's a stock Accord motor with a, an older Accord motor head, an F twenty two A one head, and an F twenty three bottom end. Okay. Uh, stock bottom end. Uh, ARP head studs and then just a big cam and some valve springs from Busy Moto from like I think I I think I bought those in like oh five. It's really old. It's like back when you'd call Busy Moto and he would answer the phone because he was still doing things. Um, and it's an adapter plate to a D series transmission, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's a giant. It's like a giant big block Accord motor with a turbo strap to it, and the turbo hits like a hits like a you know. A freight train. It's it's a properly sized turbo. It's not a big laggy drag car turbo. Feels like a big NA motor, and it pulls all the way to redline. Um, <laughs> made you know it made in the 400 horsepower range. I've never dynoed it on high boost really, but uh, and like almost the same torque, like over 300 foot pounds of torque. But um, the Trans has had a quaff in it. That was it that I put I put the quaff in there many years ago. And it was starting to make noise, and so I was doing a time attack. We, we were kind of doing an experimental time attack at West Michigan Honda Meet last year. Um, we had transponders on some cars, and we were testing on an RFID system. And on my first outlap, uh, I went around, and the car would overheat because I think it's got a slightly blown head gasket. It wouldn't <laughs> overheat on the street, but on track it would because I think it was just too much boost, and okay. the, the leak showed up only on track. I could drive it to and from the track two three hours, and it was fine, you know. So I never fixed it because I could only, I could do two or three laps and that was all I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and then you just dump the coolant back into the radiator and it was fine. <laughs> but um, so on my second lap, uh, the car, the tires are hot. I was on I was on my I had Volks for a little while and I was on Volks with A sixes in the back and SM sevens in the front. So it's two only two oh fives. But I know the car goes 150 miles an hour top of fifth. The run ran out of gear. Uh, 100, 150 on the nose. And at, at, I was probably six imaginary brake markers before the first brake marker in that straightaway. All right. And that's where I jammed the brakes because I was out of gear. So I knew I was going 100, like high, high, high 140s, low 150s, somewhere in that range. Because the tires are maybe a little different height. I was, I'm not sure, but um, I, I left it in fifth gear. The rev limiter goes doot, doot, doot. And I immediately went to the brakes hard because the braking zone is not long enough, and the car, the car didn't have the best brakes in the world. They were Type R brakes, but um, and it sounded like uh, it's. Imagine dragging like a three-quarter inch thick piece of plywood <laughs> underneath your car. That's that's what it sounded like. I I just took the the off the exit road because that's right at the end of that yeah, braking yeah. zone, you know. Um, but I, I jammed on the brakes, and instantly it sounded like I had a piece of three-quarter-inch plywood uh, dragging underneath the car. So, wow. Um, yeah, it, uh, the shock load, I'm guessing. I still haven't taken it apart. Uh, but uh, that's the plan for after this trip is to fix it. But, so you, yeah. you've got anyway, a, a box story. of marbles? Uh, well, it the, the weird thing is it still had all the gears. <laughs> except for, I, it, except I didn't try fifth. It had first through fourth. I knew okay. fifth, fifth gear was probably the one that exploded, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it sounds really bad, and like driving it on the trailer and all, and off the trailer, like it would, it would move forward and then it would go, gook, you know, like jump. So there's chunks of something in there. Uh, so I got to take it apart and see if the quaif is still worth using. Um, 
clean the quaif out, take the quaif apart. You know, the Which diff. type of uh, D-series train is that? Is that the... It's the just the cable 91 Civic SI trans. So. It w which isn't there a D series out of one of the early Integras? That's yeah, that's to be the, like a bulletproof. They one? call it the CG Trans. Um, none of the mounts would work though, and I need to go to B series axles, I believe, uh, and then make okay. an intermediate shaft mount because they have an intermediate shaft, you know. Um, um, I I kind of think I might be able to go to a different. No, that's a B series diff. It uses a B a B sixteen B eighteen diff, I think. And right now, uh, Mr. Bone is probably shaking his head like, you're getting all this wrong, Adam. Yeah, hey, uh, the yeah, Honda Trans, dude. Uh, but, uh, is it a Y26? Uh, it's a Z47. <laughs> uh, oh, the Z47. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it, that, that's the Trans that some people do use on that, but I have to make new mounts, and I'm just kind of too lazy to do that right now. I'm too nah, busy. That's, that's too but much work. I, I got a stock Trans I'm going to put in it for now and then uh, drive it over the shop. We're going to rebuild the turbo setup so that the uh, – radiator doesn't stick through the bumper and make it prettier and then duct it properly and uh and then i'm going to swap the head gasket and pull the trans out and fix it and, or uh, pull apart the blown up trans you know so but. one of the things that you'll see if you make it out to an autocross is that the cars don't have to be built to withstand the same rigors that a track car does yep yep because i mean really you're talking about most local sites are probably... Yeah, let's go through the city here. We're in, we're in Indianapolis now. Let's oh, drive sure. through the city. Uh, most local courses are going to be 45 seconds Yeah. long. Yeah, like I could probably not fix the head gasket even. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying not to fix the head gasket, yeah, but I'm saying you it. could probably not fix the head gasket. Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to run a 45-second course. And then you're going to go over and you're going to sit there and idle for probably five or ten minutes, yep. depending on the size of the run group. And then you're going to do another run, and you're going to do that, depending on the club, six to ten times. Yeah. And then your run group is over with, and that's basically your day. You've got to work at some point, or maybe you already worked that day. Yeah. But it doesn't put nearly the thermal load that track days do. Yeah. So, I mean, your thing of, you know, it would do two laps before it would start to overheat. Yeah, and that was, you know, that wasn't it wasn't a fun. I put a giant radiator. You probably saw the radiator stick through the bumper. Yeah. I yeah. put I put that on just to see, you know, if I can add increased capacity, does this thing not overheat? And it wasn't that. It still did the exact same thing. So it was just pushing coolant out, you know, getting hot spots. So um, but. one of the cool things, and, and here's, here's where I'll, I'll give you a real sales pitch, is that if you started autocrossing, You'd probably gain some setup knowledge. Yeah, I believe that. Transfer over to your CRX. I believe that. Um, I, I think the I probably would try it with the CRX too, but uh, I wouldn't really want to futz around with this setup so much. And the car's so light now that it probably wouldn't heat up tires very well. But yeah. I I took my ITA CRX out to one autocross, and it's just it's. The setup that works for road racing doesn't really work for autocross. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's the only thing I wouldn't really want to do is totally readjust everything to make it drivable in one condition and have to play with it again and make it you know, drivable in the other condition. But yeah, I've, I've tried getting a setup that works for both, and you can get it to where it's probably 90%, maybe 95% for both of them, yeah. but you can't, you can't make one setup work for both of them. And you can't even do it with just, you know, shock changes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it, 
it's going to take springs and bar to really get a setup that to works. optimize it for one or the other exactly but for a lot of streetcar guys and track day guys <clears throat> you know that they really don't play around with autocross stuff i mean with the with any of the adjustment stuff anyway um their cars are probably fine to do both right oh, absolutely right now you know? yeah yeah no, absolutely like I mean, your corvette you didn't really play with it at all at itr expo no no yeah. i i just ran the the autocross setup on it yeah um, and it was great yeah no it worked just fine you almost sold uh, bets to austin uh, he was looking for him for like a month afterwards <laughs> so wow. uh, you know what? That's what I need to blame him because I didn't think about selling it until I started talking to him. I'm like, wow. I'm like, yeah. I could probably sell this. You can blame a lot of things on Austin. Um, so is he, I guess, wandering like a gypsy? Uh, right now, yeah. He's in currently, he's driving between Seattle um, and uh, San Francisco. He's going to be in San Francisco tomorrow night. So, how's everything on the recorder over there? Are we doing all right? Yeah, everything yeah. looks good. Cool. Still got two batteries. Excellent. Um, does it say how long we've been recording? Hour and sixteen. Ooh, wow, we got a long one here. Um, well, we're uh, we're passing the beautiful halfway abandoned mall near Thirty Eighth Street in Indianapolis. Um, so we got that going for us, which is nice. But the uh, we should call Austin and tell him that we're starting the podcast. And and then he needs to intro it for us. <laughs> Let's see if I see can. See if he uh, answers the phone. Um, yeah, so we got. We're probably going to stop near Cincinnati at a buddy's house, and we got a wing for him here. Uh, going to drop it off. Tell Kyle uh, uh, gave him a wing. So we still got some a uh, couple hours ahead of us, probably an hour and a half, maybe. Calling him right now. Yeah, let's see if we can get Austin on. Got him on speaker. Yep. Uh, hey, Austin, it's Christian and Adam. We're just about to start a uh, podcast. Can you do the intro? Uh, yeah, I'm actually um, in Arby's right now, but uh, I'll head out to the car and get all the recording gear set up, and we should be good to go. <laughs> you can't no, just... I saw, you can't... I saw Fernandina Beach and thought it might be one of my, friends, or my parents' friends. No, no. So that's what it shows up as. Fernandina uh, Beach. Fernandina Beach. Wow. No, yeah, St. Augustine. Yeah, St. Augustine Beach. Yeah, so it's all right there. There must be a tower or something in Fernandino. So, or that's where the numbers registered or something. Tell them we're in Indianapolis. All right, yeah, we're we're in Indianapolis. Okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm just grabbing grabbing my backpack. Well, I think because your your cell phone numbers registered down in Florida, whatever. Um, for some reason, like when I call people, it says uh, Atlanta, Georgia, even though. <laughs> it's a great radio. <laughs> Yeah, so I got Austin on mute now. He's going on about cell towers and phone registrations. Yeah, he, he's he's not willing to play along. <laughs> I guess he's hungry for Arby's. And he's still going. <laughs> hey Austin, t- tell him to call my phone. Uh, hey Austin, can you can you call back uh, on Adam's line? Yeah. All right. No All right. Cool. Cool. Bye. All right. Bye. <laughs> We uh, this is the first show I've actually done without Austin. On, uh, so this is my uh, my first rolling solo show. It's, that's why it's a total mess. <laughs> and I'm, I'm driving. Contribute, yeah. And I'm driving a 50 foot long rig here. But um, well, uh, yeah, with what five five thousand fifty five hundred pounds worth of car back there? Uh, 
Yeah, mine's about 1,800 loaded, maybe 1,900. Okay, mine's 31-ish, but it's got a full tank of fuel plus stuff in it, so it's probably got 3,300 pounds yeah, in it. Yeah, so we got nearing 6,000 pounds, you know, um, 5,500 or so with uh, with random weight. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of, I got a couple of wheels in my car and a bunch of boxes of stuff, but... Um, yeah, the uh, this is the first uh, Austin Less show, so we had to get him on sometime. Yeah, he's uh, he's the voice of the show. We need to have him do the welcome, everybody, and we got some hazards coming up here. Looks like they're doing construction. So, uh, talking about tomorrow, I'm kind of jazzed to see what you think of Road Atlanta when you get there. Uh, hopefully, well, I've seen it before, but I don't. There's an event going on tomorrow. It's a Just Track It event. Um, yeah, but Mike Taylor, he's sponsored by them. They uh, they help him out with his STL uh, car. But uh, he said that they are totally full. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on the track, but I'm hoping I can at least get a ride uh, with somebody and, like, you know, put uh, put eyes on the track. Here's Austin here. Here, deal with this. Put it on smartphone. Or a speaker. All right. Hey, Austin, are you there? Crank oh, up. hey, there we go. Side, crank it Let up me uh, turn up the volume here. We're we're recording you on our stuff too, Austin. Yep. We, I want to. Uh, we're I'm recording you on our stuff right now. I want to have uh, some speakerphone audio. You know, high quality. Oh, you're gonna do a speaker, high quality speakerphone. Yeah, high. Is it bouncing up on the uh, on the uh, the readout there when he yeah. talks? No, no. I think I think we've got you on the uh, the the speaker here. This is probably nice. the the absolute worst speaker quality <laughs> in the entire universe. It's a well, brand I new mean, phone, you know dude. This is this is the best Android you can buy. He he, <laughs> he has a phone that was built in the last decade. Oh come on! No, it's apparently some new big Android with an unbreakable screen. <laughs> tell, t- tell him that uh, we're lying to him. What are you guys up to? We've already recorded an hour and a half. Uh, we've done about an hour and fifteen minutes, hour and a half recording. Yeah, we're we're lying to you, actually, Austin. So we just need oh, to we're live this. right now. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're completely live. We're an hour and twenty into this bitch. <laughs> it's cool, man. So I, I've been driving. I'm in the car. I'm somewhere in Oregon, and I can't pump my own gas in Oregon. I didn't know. So like, I, I pulled up. I pulled up to the pump, and like this dude walks up wearing a vest. I'm like, this guy's about to, like rape me or something and like he stands there like waiting for me to roll down the window I'm like what the F man so like I finally roll down the window and he's like yeah you can't pump your own gas in Oregon I was like oh okay so I mean it's dark out it's raining and some random dude just comes up and stands next to your window and hold on he asked to pump your ass yes he pumps my ass <laughs> oh jeez was that a high test did you did, my, you, did you tip my him ass my ass tank is full. Just the tip. Just the tip. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like a heck of a trip. We are in downtown Indiana. Indianapolis. Downtown Indiana. Downtown Indiana in the state of Indianapolis, right? Yeah. yeah hey, it makes sense to me. Hey, Austin. It's cool, man. My, my fiance Jessica uh, slipped up one time and called Chicago a state. So... But technically, Chicago is a state. Like the whole state of Illinois is Chicago. But yeah, all the all the debt belongs to Chicago. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. I've I've heard people from Texas refer to Texas as a country, so it makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's not it far really, off. It really is a country. 
Uh, I can't disagree. No. Oh, you know what? Me. We need to know where we're going. Are we going to Louisville here? Sure. I well, don't know. So, got so, the ways. Well, when you're in Indianapolis, you have two choices. You can cut over to Cincinnati and go down through, not, through Lexington, Kentucky, Do and it. through um, Knoxville to Chattanooga. Or you can go through Louisville. Well, we, Depending we, on how the road need... construction is in Louisville with that damn bridge, um, it might make more sense to go through Cincinnati. Yeah, we need to go to Cincinnati because we're staying there tonight. Yeah. So oh, really? Yeah. So we need to go 70 east to Columbus? Is that it? Mm, uh, no, you should. I mean, are you taking the um, Are you taking the loop around? Uh, we're going through downtown right now. Yeah, here, we'll... We're blowing it right now. We've been talking in this dumb microphones for, like, two hours. Um, let's, uh, we'll pull off, and we'll end this show, and then we'll, we'll put you on earbuds so we can hear you better. Okay. And then we'll, uh, we'll... And then, and then I can record on my end, and we'll be good. Yeah, we'll do a quick, uh, a quick something or other. Are we doing the right thing here, Christian? Yeah, we're all right. Okay, I guess we're in the right spot. I gotta take a leak like a, like a son of a bitch, though. Um, all right, yeah, we're gonna Austin. Austin, do you want to uh, end this show for us? Uh, yeah, on a bombshell, maybe. Uh, what's that? Uh, end it on a bombshell. Uh, oh yeah, tell us your bombshell. Uh, I am currently driving a camper that I rented. You rented a camper? Yeah, and I'll be doing a video. Oh, that rules so much. <laughs> so bombshell. Boom! In the show, and then I'll tell you about the camper. Okay. Yeah, All we'll right. uh, we'll talk about the camper in a few minutes. We're gonna t- we'll stop at a bathroom or something here. Okay. Uh, my eyeballs okay. are floating right now. Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you All soon, right. man. Later. And uh, yeah, we'll sign this one off. You guys can uh, check us out at tracktuned.com and uh, slip angle show by or slip angle by tracktuned on Facebook, I believe nowadays. So. Yeah, I don't know what we're doing. We're not marketing gurus. We're just doing stuff. Yeah. Who I cares? Know. You know where we're yeah, at. Chris, Chris Stewart and Matt are like, what are those guys doing? There's too many names. So many so different start, names. I'm starting a website for everything that we do. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start AustinsRV.com next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we're gonna we're gonna have our own like full like gelatinic website, and it's just gonna be a repost of the 12 different websites that we run. Yeah, we'll we'll write one article a day and publish it 12 times. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a, perfect. That's actually probably a pretty good plan. Yeah. Uh, all right, buddy. We'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, and uh, yeah, I'll call you back uh, after we stop somewhere. So, cool. Uh, we'll, good. We'll sign this one off. Thanks for listening, everybody. And yeah, we're we're about a little over an hour, so we're probably at a good stopping point. So, I gotta tell. Uh, I gotta figure out how to turn this off. And hold. You turn hold on. Just hit stop. Right. Remember, yeah. hit stop. I, I had the hold. I had the stop. hold button on. I had the hold button on. So. Oh, okay. All right, I'm going to hit the stop button. Thanks for ending our show with us. We'll talk to you in a minute. No problem. That bombshell is pretty good, right? I, I love RVs, and I can't wait to see it. <laughs>